those things that you look back on that didn't necessarily go your way, as long as you don't give up on them, there's no such thing as a failure. It's just a, it's a learning. It's, it's a, a time in your life that was meant to be for learning, you know, not to be for self critique and whatever else it might be. Hello, my love, and welcome to the Boldly Courageous podcast. My name is Melissa Martin. I am a business and embodiment coach and creator of the Boldly Courageous community. Just like you, I've walked through some dark seasons in life and I know what it's like to start over again and write a new story. This podcast is here to activate you, to show you what's possible when you embody your power and walk with courage and fear in the pursuit of what sets your soul on fire. Each week, you will hear authentic conversations with thought leaders and visionaries as we dive deep into topics such as spirituality, business, money, relationships, sexuality, and so much more so that you can fully embody your boldly courageous self. Are you ready? Let's drop in. Hey, real quick before we dive into the episode, I need to let you know about something really, really special to me. So if you're anything like me and you've had this calling on your heart to start a podcast, but you have no idea where to start, I want to introduce you to the incredible team that I have worked with literally from day one of launching Boldly Courageous over at Podcast Co. They have just released a self-paced course called Launch Your Fucking Podcast. This program will literally take you through step-by-step of launching your podcast from start to finish. You will learn everything about how to create and find the foundation and mission of your podcast, how to come up with the perfect name, get super clear on your audience and the structure of your show. Also, you will learn how to record, how to produce, how to edit, and also hosting, music, creating the perfect cover, and building a successful launch strategy. Basically, by the end of the program, you will have launched a podcast that feels authentic and expansive to you, labeling you as the expert that is ready to impact and grow your audience in whatever phase of life they may be at. So all you have to do is go to the link in the show notes, use code boldly courageous at checkout, and you will get a hundred dollars off the launch your fucking podcast course. So now let's jump into the episode. Welcome back to the Boldly Courageous Podcast. I am so honored and grateful that you are here with me today. And my guest today is John Bros. And John and I met through a mutual friend. Um, we were soft introduced. And then John just took a chance on his message and his mission, sent me an email and pitched to be on my podcast. And I was really, really taken back by his message. And what I could really feel through the message that he sent me was how deeply connected he was to his purpose and his mission. And so when we connected, I knew that I wanted to have him on the podcast to share his story about the interesting dynamics and these pivotal moments, these defining moments in his life that led him to publishing his very first book called The Personal Wellness Principles, Simple Steps to Create Happy, Healthy, and Fulfilling Life, and to follow a path of entrepreneurship while being a social studies teacher. And so in this episode, John shares these stories of these defining moments in life that have led him to where he is today. He shares his 10-year vision and a leap of faith that he took recently that turned out to be one of the best decisions he could have made for another business that he started with his friends. So this episode is filled with so much 
good wisdom and nuggets, you're going to want to grab a notebook. John was born and raised in Stewart, Florida, and attended the University of Central Florida, where he graduated with a BA in social science education. Shortly after that, he moved to Salaya, Thailand, a small town just outside of Bangkok, where he taught English to the Thai high school students. He was in Southeast Asia just shy of a year and realized that it was time to move back to the States and find his first teaching job in the social studies field. After applying to well over 20 schools all around the US, things came full circle and he was hired at the rival high High school of his own alma mater. He moved back to Florida in August of 2015 and has been teaching 10th grade world history ever since. Outside of teaching his world history curriculum, John puts a huge focus on educating his students on various tenets of emotional intelligence. This focus includes their ability to use proper perspective and discernment, to practice gratitude, to lead a purpose-driven life, to cultivate empathy, to access critical thinking skills, and to develop poise as a result of having a strong value system. The intention of this is to enrich their lives and develop these wellness tools before they graduate and begin to operate in the type of world we have today. In 2017, John came to the realization that there was an there was an evident and abundant lack of emotional intelligence in our public school system. Yes. And as a result, much of adult society as well. So he began to transpose these themes into a book to create something that would benefit people of all ages. And in August of 2020, the, per the Personal Wellness Principles, Simple Steps to Create a Happy, Healthy, and Fulfilling Life was published. Today, John is still teaching, but he's also actively growing his life coaching business and working towards making his book a household name. He's a partner out of a farm where he sells rare and exotic fruit trees and installs edible landscaping permaculture systems that enable people and families to grow multitudes of produce on their very own property, which is fascinating. It's basically like a done for you garden that's completely self-sustainable. John is very passionate about encouraging people to use their land wisely and to grow their own food slowly and surely, eliminating their reliance on grocery stores and having home access to fresh and organic foods right from their own yard. This episode is delightful. It's inspiring. It's motivating. I know that you will love it. Let's dive into my conversation with John. Welcome to the show, John. It's an honor to have you here. And Something that I just want to acknowledge about you is your willingness to take messy action and scary action. Um, you pitched yourself to me through my email and my DMs um, through a mutual friend and um, have just been consistent in showing up and asking questions and making it known that you wanted to be here. And I value that so much because I know that you are in this new season of life and this new chapter of life of just really stepping forward and owning your message and owning your gifts. And I know what that feels like. So I just want to acknowledge you for that and say, welcome. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's a really exciting feeling to fully step into your role and to begin to uh, pave your path as I like to call it. And, and um, yeah, it's a, uh, it's an exciting time. And also you have to do the work, you have to show up and you have to send those emails and such or else no one's going to know who you are. So I appreciate your uh, validity there. Yes. And on that note, um, my first question, I always open my show up with the same question is what is one boldly courageous thing you've done recently? One boldly courageous thing I've done recently, um, aside from reaching, reaching out to people such as yourself, uh, I did recently get in touch with the activity director at a really popular private school down in South Florida, St. Thomas Aquinas. Um, and I was able to supply their senior leadership group, uh, senior class leadership group with a copy of my book. 
uh, with the intention of following up and, and getting to go down there and speak to the kids once they begin using the book within their curriculum. Um, so it's really special to me to be able to uh, offer that to them. And also just to know that there's a group of senior kids out there having the opportunity to read my work and to hopefully grow from it and begin to attach themselves to some of these ideas and principles of personal wellness and emotional intelligence before they hear it in their twenties, you know? Mm -hmm. So I would say that's, that's my, my big win recently in my boldly courageous moment. I love that. And that's, I mean, how I'm curious to know, what is your batting average? If you even know, like how many schools have you reached out to and either heard nothing or gotten a no? And what does it feel like to hear this? Yes. Yeah, it's a great question. So uh, I started sending out emails back in early August, right before the school year was about to start down here in South Florida. And I've probably sent out probably 150 emails and I've probably heard back from five. Um, So Part of that in a way that I don't get too up in my head and worry about that being a negative percentage or batting average is the idea that first off schools are just beginning. So things are a little bit slow. Um, but also you can't focus on the no's or the people that haven't answered you. You have to focus on the people who are willing to give you that time and energy and reply. And so uh, it's an it's an amazing feeling. It's an amazing feeling. And and you have to really attach yourself to that positive momentum and not be focusing on, oh, well, there's 145 who haven't responded, you know, and maybe they will, maybe they won't, but I've got five who have. So, you know, you've got to follow up with that and give those people your time and your energy and, and hopefully build things from there. Yeah. I think it's so easy to focus on what we don't have or what we don't get, or, you know, what doesn't work out. We, we miss the, the yeses or the people that did say yes. And, you know, like to your earlier point, like these students, now get to be impacted by your message, which is something that's so hugely important to you. And we're going to get to the book, mm-hmm. um, the the wellness principles, um, the we- personal wellness principles that you wrote. I mentioned it in the in the intro, um, but I want to go back in time, and I really want to get the the story of where this even came from. Right, you you're an, a published author. You're on your path. You're an educator. You're clearly um, passionate about inspiring humans, human potential, especially working with children. But what's the like? I want to know the before story. Where did this come from? Because I'm sure um, it didn't just appear one day. <laughs> right, you didn't just wake yeah. up one day being an author. So take for those that maybe are new to you or. Um, you know, are maybe in a similar place of like, okay, I have this thing that I want to do, like, take us back to the beginning. And what was that like for you? Absolutely. So I would say in about 20, 2016, 2017 school year, which would have been my second year teaching. Um, I just started recognizing that aside from the world history curriculum. And at the time I was teaching a course called law studies, you know, outside of teaching that curriculum, I would take any opportunity I could to try to express to my students, uh, a moment where we could have a learning objective that pertained to something outside of social studies, um, personal development, goal setting, being able to utilize perspective. And so by the end of that school year, I was thinking about how could I try to put this in a way that could serve everybody? Cause I had a lot of students who told me kind of privately, this is, you know, this is some really beneficial work. Like I really enjoy these little exercises we do, but I was, I was very lost just up in my head at that time. And um, I wasn't sure how to proceed forward. I, had, I wasn't even thinking about a book. All I was thinking of was that I wanted to somehow someday reach an audience more than just my 155 students that I have every year. 
Um, and so along with kind of that crazy headspace I was in, I just needed to bail over the summer and, and get away. And I ended up in Morocco. And so um, I do, used to do a lot of traveling. And so I was backpacking in Morocco and I brought a few books and I brought a notebook and I was just trying to just trying to dive in and see what I could kind of get get going in my head. And long story short, I had a family emergency back up in Michigan that caused me to have to leave early. I had to cut my my trip short by a couple of weeks. And so I had the single handed most stressful day of travel I've ever had. I was trying to get out of Casablanca, Morocco and get to Detroit to drive up to uh, where my grandparents live. And it was just a nightmare. They weren't, they weren't accepting my passport. There was a chance I was going to get stuck in Morocco and there was all this crazy stuff. So it was three total flights. And the very last flight was from, I think, Montreal to Detroit. And so I'm exhausted. I'm disgusting. I've got my backpack and my backpackers clothes and stuff. And I end up sitting next to this guy on flight and I just strike up a conversation with him. And I begin asking him, I was like, well, just by chance, like, what is it that you do? And he says, without even you know a second, he goes, uh, I'm a professional speaker. And I was like, oh my gosh, like literally within this last week, even though my trip was cut a little bit short, this was one of the things that I had written down that I was trying to figure out a way to create. And so here I end up sitting, his name is Dr. Tom Deans. He's from uh, Canada. He's a PhD, he's an author. And his, his niche is uh, uh, family business, right? So he and I just happened to end up sitting together on this flight. And so I, I start to tell him kind of my intentions and how I really enjoy this personal development, personal wellness type of material. And he just told me right away, he's like, you need to write a book. And I was like, I need to write a book. He's like, yeah, you need to write a book. And he said, using that, you can package yourself and you can create some of the opportunities that, um, you know, I think that you're trying to create. And so out of one of the most stressful situations I've ever dealt with, not only from traveling, but then also dealing with the family uh, issues and, and health issues. Once I got to Michigan, um, I ended up sitting next to Dr. Deans and he puts me on and tells me to write a book. And quite literally, I was back in Florida within a month and I, I started writing. Wow. That's wild. Isn't it crazy how like, it, like there's so many like specific things that had to happen in order for you to be on that plane at that time on that day and that seat next to that guy in his life and your life. Yeah. For like oh, the crazy. universe to bring you together. Right. What was that like for you? Like when he told you to write a book, what was the first thought that came into your head? I'm just curious. The first thing that came into my mind was just simply, I don't, I, I was nodding my head. Yes. Okay. That sounds great. But in my mind and in my heart, I was like, I don't know how to even begin doing this. Like, you know, yeah. I, I, I seem very reasonable. I just want to go speak. I don't know how to write a book. Um, and so, yeah, it was a mixture of two things on, on one end, it was kind of those nerves and, and just a little bit of nervousness with the idea of wading into some murky water that I just have no experience in. But on the other side, I was thinking more along the lines of what you had first said, which was like, wow, what are the chances that he and I sit next to each other? What are the chances that I was in a headspace a month ago that made me want to go fly to Morocco and spend a summer out there? Like you add all those things up and you'd start thinking to yourself, okay, well, there's this was meant to be, you know, like it sounds so cliche, but it's true. Like you end up in situations when you're acting out of the right intention and you're trying to put the right foot forward. And so it was kind of like a sign of, you need to take this man's advice and mm. you need to begin. So it was in a mixture of excitement and, and very real nervousness. And I'm curious, like when you found out that your trip was getting cut short, did you feel at all? Like you, you, like, I would imagine for me, like, wait, I didn't get what I needed. 
Like you went to Morocco for a very specific reason. Had you felt like up until that point that you got what you needed and your intention was fulfilled for your reason of going there? Um, I would say just partially, just partially. I think what happened was the, the emergency with having to get to Michigan was my grandmother's health. So when, once that happens, I wasn't even really thinking within the space of like, oh, but I didn't get to uh, Marrakesh again, or I didn't get to this place or Fez or, you know, these random cities in Morocco It was just more or less like, okay, I need to stop everything I'm doing. I need to get to an airport and like, of I need course. to get going. So on reflection, it was a mixture of like being kind of bummed out that I had missed a few of the things that I was planning for. But then looking at the bigger picture, I really did get what I was going for because I did fill out those notebooks and I did read a lot and I positioned myself mentally to kind of come to these realizations before that emergency happened. So I would say in hindsight, it worked perfectly. Right. And perhaps prepared you for that conversation. Oh, 100%. That wasn't even there where you got what you needed in a place where you weren't expecting to be, I guess, is what I'm like trying to get at. And I think that's sometimes how the universe works is we, you know, I had a similar, not similar in that regard, but like I had an experience earlier this year where I was feeling uh, just disconnected, right? Like I just was like, something's off in my business. Nothing really feels grounded or aligned. And I'm like, I'm really seeking an answer. And I booked a trip to Tulum. And my intention was to do some deep introspection and some healing work. And my expectation was to get an answer. And I didn't get what I needed. I got what I, I mean, I didn't get what I wanted. I got what I needed, but I did not get what I wanted. And I had a little Mm -hmm. bit of like an expectation hangover. That's a coin that was turned by uh, my friend, Christine Hassler, but yeah. So it's interesting how sometimes we go places with an expectation of what we want and then what we actually need shows up in a completely unexpected, different way. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And like, you have to be open to those different rendezvous and those different you know directions that things will take. And, and again, it comes back to the intention. I think if you have the right intention, even if it starts to look a little bit different and the road starts winding in a direction, you may not expect it. I, I always come back to that word intention. I think that as long as that's there, it'll all still end up in its right place. Mm-hmm. You know, and in my case, when Tom gave me his card um, in July of 2017, you know, I was just beginning to be like, okay, that was great advice, but am I going to go through with this? I should go through with this. I'm going to. And when I finally got to the point where I was almost finished, I was like terrified to reach out to him again because I would build up in my own mind. I'm like, ah, oh, he, you know, he was super helpful and he was really helped, you know, really helped you get on this path, but he's a busy man. And if you email him, he won't get back to you. And what, you know, you just build up things in your mind that aren't real. And of course I reached out to him and he was back to me within a day. And, you know, it's just like you, you're fortunate enough to hopefully encounter certain people along the way that encourage you and are there for you, even if they're complete strangers, mm-hmm. you know, and the least that we can do in uh, return for that is to afford that to somebody else someday. You know? mm. So true. So let's talk about that, what you just said, like affording it to somebody else. Okay. So you're in Florida and you're writing this book. How, like, what was that process like for you to actually create this thing and put it out in the world? Yeah. Um, to balance it with the school year with, uh, teaching was, was really, really difficult. I had periods where I would get a lot done. And then there might be two months where I didn't do anything. Then I might have two days where I got a lot done. And I might have three months where I don't do anything. Um, at the same time, too, I was uh, playing music at local bars and restaurants, doing like little acoustic stuff and singing and whatnot. So 
had that responsibility on top of school and then trying to write the book. So it was very, very difficult. And finally, when I got to the summer of 2020, I kind of needed to buckle down and just get it done and get rid of all other distractions. So I actually drove up, I drove my truck up to Michigan um, and I spent the next two months just writing Mm. and it was everything that I needed because by the time it was done, I had finished. Um, I got to drive into Canada to see some old friends that I had met years ago in like Costa Rica. And that was helpful with certain things. And before you knew it, the process was done, but I definitely reached a point where I knew that if I didn't change my environment around here, mm-hmm. not because it was serving me in a negative way, but from a busy perspective and just clouding perspective, yeah. I knew I had to get away. And so, yeah, it was a couple years of, like I said, on and off writing. Mm-hmm. And then finally I just drove to Michigan and for two months straight finished the thing. And uh, when I got back in August, I found an editor uh, Jennifer Hawthorne. She was uh, hugely important with the chicken noodle soup for the soul books that came out a decade or two ago. Um, and somehow again, through random <laughs> occurrences, I linked up with her. She had been retired for quite a while in the context of editing books. I sent her my script. She liked it. She agreed to work with me. And, you know, I was blessed to get to work with her because she was able to take what was on paper and was maybe not in the most organized way. And she really helped me to see the final vision with it. And also in that moment, I realized that you have to sometimes put yourself out there and pay for services that you might not be very good at. You know, you, you have to honor the fact that there's people who are incredibly skilled and incredibly gifted with the um, tools that they offer you. And so worked with her for about six months and then finally published in August of 2020. How does it feel to be a published author? It's nice. It's nice. Um, I self, I self published. That seemed to have been the best route. I was told by a lot of people that if I wanted to get published, I would need to basically quit my job and drive around for a couple of years trying to find somebody. Um, so when it was broke down to me, the way it was regarding self publishing process, it just seemed to make sense. And it's a huge accomplishment. I, I have trouble even to the present moment, sometimes, um, validating wins. And so recently was the year anniversary of it. And that was kind of really when it sunk in because I can remember when I was like, all right, I need to get 10 five-star reviews and then I need to get 25 star reviews. And it's like now a year later, I've got 52 five-star reviews on there. And um, it's just really nice testament to the process and to the work and to trust again, that if you're trying with right intention, that things will come out the way they're supposed to. Yes. And the principles in your book are ageless. They're timeless, right? And they're foundational. And I know that um, your mission and your purpose behind the book is just to encourage people to really live, you know, the best version of themselves. But why? Why is this like so hugely important to you? Um, I think it's hugely important to me because I didn't even know about the idea of self-development or self-work or the process of trusting and believing that you have the ability to become better in all these different multitudes of way. Like I just happened to have somebody recommended me to read the four agreements and I was maybe like 24, 25 and I couldn't help but read it and be like, why isn't every eighth grader in the world reading this book, you know? And then you, you start going down that road and I read Ishmael and then I read Stephen Cope's the great work of your life and start coming to these ideas of Dharma and everyone has a purpose. And once I started seeing that bigger picture while simultaneously being a high school teacher and seeing a group of kids who for the most part have the least amount of direction that anyone's ever had, not that that's Mm -hmm. their fault. It's just a result of the world around them at the moment. 
But when I started to realize that, I made the connection that also if this happens and begins in high school, where we are not encouraged to act on self-development to become our best selves, well, then that carries into adulthood. And so between the two, it was just kind of this idea of, well, people need to be given a back to basics, A to Z, so to speak, as to little things they can begin to do to build that foundation to reach their highest self, their best self. And I don't believe that that is a final destination. You know, the idea is that you constantly, it's a constant practice. It is a constant, ever long, everlasting life practice. And just for me, when I started to see the positives turn in my own life, it just became very apparent to me that that's something that I wanted to try to encourage with other people. And so in my classroom, you know, showing a Ted talk, Sam Burns was a young man who, who passed away years ago, but he has like one of the most just inspiring Ted talks you could ever watch. He was at the time he was like 17 years old and his, his perspective and his ability and his outlook on life was just light years beyond what I had, let alone what I could possibly share with my students. And it kind of started with that and seeing that again, are 25 out of 25 kids in a room going to take to that? Absolutely not. But if just a few do, then it's, so I feel like I've made a difference, you know? Mm. So it's just trying to encourage people to buy into the idea that it's all within you. You just have to begin. Yes. Do you remember who gave you the four agreements? I don't, I don't, I wish I did. It's wild, right? Even this, like tracing that back to that moment, like these are these like defining moments, right? In your life of like, okay, this uh, person gave you this book and it had such an impact on you that it created a, a, a split in the matrix and defining moment put yeah. you on a different path of possibility. Have you ever read um, those choose your own adventure books? Do you remember those as a, as a child? So I, may, I might be like dating myself here, <laughs> like aging myself, but there were these books that I used to read when I was younger and they were called choose your own adventure. And you'd read like the first three or four pages and of the hero's journey. Right. And then you, the, you would say, you know, what is the next step? Like, is the hero going to go, you know, this way, go to page 35, or is he going to go this way, go to page 15, or is he going to go to this, this way, go to page 62. And so depending oh, on right. what page you choose, it's a completely different storyline. So it becomes like a choose your own adventure book. And it was cool because you could literally have multiple storylines in one book, all based on what the hero chooses. And these are these defining moments and this is life, right? I mean, we literally just talked about a couple defining moments that you've had in your life, right? Of um, yeah. someone giving you this book and then feeling unfulfilled and, and going to Europe. And then a family emergency puts you on a plane with this person having a defining moment. Now you're a published author. It's a new defining moment, right? So these like, yeah, these like forks in the matrix that we don't mm -hmm. even realize at the point at, we don't realize it in that moment. But when you look back, you're like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. You look back and you go, how, what would, who would I be? What would I be? How would my environment look right now if that hadn't happened? You know, and, and it's really hard to even imagine that. Yeah. But I like the idea that the author of those books gave you that option because really like that, that is what this life is. You have free choice and through free choice, there are innumerable different directions that you might be able to go. Yes. Yeah. And I feel like the challenging thing with choice is that number one, once you realize that you have a choice, it's incredibly liberating and also really painful because you're like, oh, I've literally chosen this life. So if I'm in pain or I'm unhappy with something or feeling unfulfilled, it's based on the choices I've made, whether exactly. I like it or and not. It comes back to you. Yes. Yes. Um, so 
along those lines, let's imagine it's 10 years from now and you have literally woken up into living in your Dharma, completely fulfilling your purpose. Like you are, you, you are there. What does that look like for you? To me, that would look like, uh, first and foremost, having some kind of a, a farm, some kind of property, um, aside from teaching and this life coaching and, and the book, I do work at a farm. Um, and we're really promoting people to try to use their grass and, and grow fruit and grow food and, and take that back. So like I imagine living on 10 acres, you know, having chickens, having the ducks, having fruit trees and such. But in my day to day, being able to function as a life coach, being able to function as someone through one on one coaching that can, again, encourage people to develop themselves, encourage people to reach their highest points of emotional intelligence to be speaking at schools, to be speaking at corporations regarding little tips and tricks that people can do to try to harness in that, that better version of themselves and be willing to make mistakes and be willing to, um, you know, accept the fact that again, those things that you look back on that didn't necessarily go your way, as long as you don't give up on them, there's no such thing as a failure. It's just a, it's a learning. It's, it's a, a time in your life that was meant to be for learning, you know, not to be for self critique and whatever else it might be. So to me, my, my dream world would be exactly that getting to wake up and walk my land and take care of uh, chickens and animals and stuff, and then be in the capacity like this and, and be a coach and be able to speak to people. I love that. And, and seeing your ripple effect out in the world, right? Yeah, like, so thing. how old to so the, the school that just um, contracted with you for the books, how old are the students that are going to receive that book? They're seniors. It's a, it's for the senior leadership class. So I would be willing to bet 17, 18. So now they're seven, they're 27, 28 years old and you're on your farm and you get a phone call from one of those students. What do they say? Hopefully they say, thank you. <laughs> or, or just, just, you know, I, I appreciate you, but not because I, I'm looking for looking for that, but hopefully meaning that what you did had a positive impact on me. You know, the most special things that I have from my, my teaching job as a public school educator is, you know, the little cards and the little notes and the little stuff where kids remind you like, hey, what, you, what you've done for me matters. And I'm grateful for that, you know. And so for me, I kind of translate that into everything I do. Just the idea of hopefully the impact that you leave on someone leaves them grateful for, you know, what you've done for them. Right. And now you, you are the defining moment in their story just like the guy on the airplane was the defining moment for you. Right. And so that feeling of like nervousness of like, Oh, if I call him and you know, what if he says, no, like, this is like a, a full circle moment. Right. Because now being on the other side of that, of like, imagine it's 10 years from now. And one of these seniors that's graduating now with your book calls you up and they're nervous. And this guy probably won't remember me or he's so busy. Right. How it would feel to receive that phone call. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It'd be incredibly exciting because I would be able to, for a second, be able to step in their shoes and be like, I remember how I felt then, you know, and, yeah. and like I said with Tom, you, you got to pay it forward. So I would be eager to try to be there for them in that capacity and let them know like, nope, you can reach out to whoever you want. Maybe they'll mm. respond, maybe they won't, but I will, you know, I'll, I'll be there to respond. So yeah, it's a special feeling to think about that or to think about that for somebody else, their version of the first book that puts them on track like that could be my book. And um, yeah, it's a really, it's a lovely thing to think about. Mm. Now in your book, you have, um, these 14 chapters, these 14 philosophies of the way that you can live your life. Is there any one that is like your absolute diehard favorite? Like if you could only choose one, which is probably like the hardest thing to ever do, 
which yeah. one would it be? Um, probably practicing gratitude and praising others. Um, mm. I think that that is something that again should be taught at elementary school level. The idea of learning to be grateful. Um, sometimes that gets down to the bare bones, you know, when things are not going well, but we still have a job and we've got a salary and we've got a car and we pay rent and all these other things, like things might be going well in that sense, but we're still just really, really low. And sometimes what you have to do is you have to take it to the basics. It's like, do I have a, you know, do I have a roof over my head? Do I have a ceiling fan? Do I have access to clean water? You know, like sometimes when we really put ourselves in a position to be grateful for the bare bones, we slowly recognize maybe the context of what it is that we're dealing with and we're able to maneuver around it or we're able to exercise better perspective with it. Um, and so I think learning how to practice our gratitudes is one of the most important. And the second half of that chapter is praising others, you know, taking any opportunity you can to try to make somebody's day. What a blessing it is to be afforded a moment throughout your life, let alone each day to try to encourage somebody or to be there for somebody or to just compliment somebody, whatever it might be. You know, we think of that as like, oh, I'm giving this to them. But the reality is, is that, I don't know, someday that'll come back around to you. And, and you're just doing something out of a kindness, uh, out of a place of kindness that's meant to build somebody else up. So it's like, if you can learn to be grateful for the things that you have and not focus on the things that you don't have mm -hmm. and simultaneously learn to encourage other people, help other people when you can, like I said, compliment, you know, then I think that that's a recipe to take a normal average day and be able to make it a lot better. Mm. This is so true. I have a, a, a good friend of mine. I often ask him like when we're, whenever we spend time together, it's like my favorite question with all my friends, what are you grateful for? And his response is, I'm grateful that I woke up today alive. And, um, you know, he's in his forties and grew up, um, in, the, the, like not a great environment and didn't think that he would live past 20 because he was in a gang and he lived in a very violent area of the country where most of his friends died, family members died. He saw his first murder when he was five, you know? And so just that perspective of like, Hey, I really didn't think I was going to live past 20. I've, I'm, I have doubled my life expectancy. That's the reality that some people live with every single day. And so even just, I'm grateful I woke up this morning, like that level of gratitude, like you can, if you really were to sit with that of like, I'm actually just grateful I'm alive. Yeah. The, 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 pulse. I'm here. The breadth of that, the depth, the, the, the weight of that amount of gratitude, if you really sit with that long enough could bring you like to tears because some people did not wake up this morning. <laughs> like truthfully. Yeah. Yeah, legitimately. And it's important too to recognize that. And something that goes along with that gratitude, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure your friend might attest this as well is, you know, it's not enough to just think about it. You know, we can think about the things we're grateful for all the time, but you have to put it on paper or you have to say it out loud or better yet, put it on paper and then read it in the morning, you know, and the things that we're grateful for might change from week to week or month to month. But, you know, if you're waking up in the morning and you've got a little sticky note on the mirror that says, I'm grateful for, my family, my friends, my life, like you mentioned, the pulse, you know, I can see, I always go back to the senses. I can see, I can smell, I can touch, I can feel, I can taste. How blessed am I? You know? Mm. And so I think like by having them written out too, and being uh, really checking yourself and making sure that you're saying them out loud and, and taking what's in your brain and putting it out here so that it's real. You know, when you hear yourself say it and it becomes a part of your morning routine or daily routine, again, I really believe that you're positioning yourself for 
a much better day, you mm. know, a day that is spent not lamenting over the things we don't have, or rather if it comes up, we check ourselves and we recognize and we go, oh, but what do I, what do I have? You know? And then once you recognize you go, oh, well, then that's that. So true. Amen to that. So um, something that you are kind of stepping into more is a leadership role, right? As a, um, as a life coach and um, really developing leaders and something that you're really passionate about is really helping people take a leap of faith. Yeah. Right. And aside from your book, cause I think that's the obvious one. What is a mm. leap of faith that maybe you've taken recently or the one that maybe you are avoiding taking, like, you know, you need to take the leap, but you're like, Ooh, or one that you sure. have taken. You can go either. This is a choose your own adventure question. Leap of okay. faith you've taken recently, not including the book or one that, you know, you need to take what you haven't yet. Okay. Awesome. I'm going to, I'm going to focus on the former. Um, so, um, my buddy who I work with, uh, at his farm, he and his wife own five acres in a town just up the street from me. Um, we recently took the leap of faith and kind of changing our business model of what it's been the last couple of years to now address, um, putting ourselves in a position to be more available to people, to be able to, um, switch from what we previously were doing and now really focus on edible plants and these other things. And it was very, very nerve wracking. Uh, it was very shocking for both of us, I think, to try to come up with the conclusion that it was time to switch models and to, to try to, you know, step into a new direction and boy, oh boy, it's been really, really beneficial. Um, at the beginning of August, we had our first edible landscaping installed through word of mouth. And then through that project, they had a neighbor and they reached out to us. And next thing you know, it's Friday downtown and we're selling tons of fruit trees and um, delivering fruit trees and all these things. And so it's like, we kind of fully stepped into it. And at first we were a little bit apprehensive and like usually it will turn out again, if you're doing the right things, you've got the right intention, life will try to reward you as best as it can. And so um, I think by fully stepping into that, we both kind of were like, wow, like we might someday be able to do this full time and have employees and other things of that nature and, and grow this. And it's so beneficial to us as well, just to try to offer people a service where they're taking some sovereignty back in their life and they're taking some ownership. And even if it's something small, like caring for a basil plant and some bunching green onion, you know, that is a big difference between that and going to the store to get it. And then perhaps that encourages them to move to the next stage and the next stage and really just getting people into this idea of ownership of their food and, and taking care of some of these small little things. It's just very, very rewarding. So yeah, we were really hesitant and we jumped in and, and it's going well. So I would say that. So I heard you say edible landscaping, which yeah. to me sounds like a really bougie, fancy garden, <laughs> like a, like a done for you, aesthetically pleasing garden, which uh -huh. uh, like sounds amazing. Like, wait, you mean to tell me that you'll just come and put this beautiful garden in for me that has food and I don't have to like do it myself. Exactly. So as opposed to maintaining like raised garden beds, the classic mm -hmm. looking beautiful raised garden beds in that context, you're growing annuals, right? So for X amount of months, you can do this. And then once you hit this season, you can do this. What we focus on is installing an edible landscape where we rip up all the grass, we mulch everything down, put topsoil down if we need to, but mulch the entire thing and begin building an ecosystem that can serve itself. Meaning that aside from the original watering in in that first couple of months, especially down here, it's super hot. Um, aside from that, as opposed to the annual garden bed, you can step away and let nature do its thing. And within a matter of a year, 
you know, that mango tree, that avocado tree, that sugar apple tree, whatever it might be, Barbados cherries, you know, that's now blossoming. And it's not just those trees, you know, the entire ground cover is edible spinaches, longevity spinach, Okinawa spinach, Malabar spinach, and it does the work for you. Like you plant it, you come back in two months and a space that was this big is now five times that large and there's spinach is crawling all over your yard. And now, now you got it. You don't have to ever buy spinach again, you know? So it really is a special thing where you can have an ecosystem like that right in someone's backyard. And people often get intimidated like, Oh, well, I only have, I live on a quarter acre. I live on a 10,000 square foot lot. It's like, perfect. I know some people down in Waxahachie and Boynton beach area, and you know, they might be on 8,000 square feet and they produce incredible amounts of food incredible amounts of food and cassava and bananas and papaya and all these type of things. And so, yeah, it's a really, really special thing to get to offer that service to someone and see their interest in it grow because, you know, we might only put in a 400 square foot install, but then a little while you're getting a phone call. Like, Hey, do you have a Thai mulberry or do you have a lemon meringue mango or whatever it might be? And then they're wanting to install it on their own. And like, that's the goal. So yeah, it's, it's incredibly rewarding. This is amazing. Like my whole, I'm like, this is fucking awesome. Everything you're doing yeah. is incredible, but just, just to even hear the process of going through that pivot, right? Because pivoting in business is always scary. Cause you never know if it's going to work out. Like what if we invest this money or make this thing and it doesn't work out and now it's paying off and it's, you know, it's happening, but what you're doing for people is on a very deep vibrational level is reconnecting them back to their food source, which is a very sacred primal human thing. And it ties so beautifully with your mission around helping people to be the best version of themselves, right? Because they can literally see the fruits of their labor in their backyard, even though maybe they didn't have the bandwidth or the time or the knowledge to um, grow it themselves, right? Mm -hmm. You've given them the opportunity to farm to table, which is so powerful like, I, I just hope that you in this process can really take a step back to reflect on what you've been able to do in such a short period of time um, by following what feels good. And your heart for service is clearly like massive, massive. <laughs> yeah, it comes I love this. I wish I lived in Florida. Parents who are teachers, that's where that comes from for sure. Yeah, well, and the impact that you can make, it's so beautiful that you're seeing like... I, I feel that educators are um, unfortunately not given the platforms that they deserve. And, you know, our entire youth is built on educators. And now people have choices in education systems, right? I, I mean, I have friends of mine that are like, I'm not sending my kid back to school. Like we're just, there, there's, I have no need for that system Right. Right. And I know we could probably do a whole nother podcast episode on this, maybe in a year on, on your experience in the education system, not right now, but maybe in the future, but I can see that there's probably this power dynamic between the actual system itself and the person in charge of educating. And just the fact that you are finding ways to circumnavigate the system, get your message out there, inspire people, at all different walks of life to literally live their best life is just speaks volumes of your mission and your purpose. And I can see that 10 year vision for sure coming a lot faster than 10 years. 
I appreciate that. Those are some very kind words. Thank you. Yeah, I love that. The thing that I really try to encourage people is that, again, you don't have to have a green thumb to start your little garden and you don't need me to come install it either. You know, we have really, really amazing tools for kinesthetic learners, people that learn from watching visual learners, et cetera. You know, it's not a matter. It's just like how we go for a run when we really don't want to. Right. I see on, on your story, sometimes you're working out, even though it's like, man, I really don't want to do this right now, but why do you do it? You do it because you know that on the other side of it in an hour, an hour and a half, whatever it might be that you're going to feel better. And I consider that the same thing with the idea of the gardening. You mentioned the word primal and going back to kind of our basics. And yeah, when you're getting to work with the earth, even if it's for five minutes in a 10 foot garden bed, you harvest yourself a little bit of the basil that you started from seed and you are hooked. You know, there is no going back to it. It's just like, wow, this is really fulfilling. I feel like there's an energy inside that is being, uh, is having a light shine on it, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I really try to encourage people, like, don't let all of what I'm saying sound, sound daunting. You know, it, it really is a lot easier than people think. It's almost as though it's set up in a way for it to be easy and for people to be able to take to it very quickly. Yeah. Well, that's how ecosystems work. They're very hands-off self-reliant systems. That's the way it's supposed to be, right? I love this. All right, John. So for those people that want to um, connect with you on a deeper level, um, maybe order your book, what's the best way for them to to do that? Best way to connect with me is on Instagram at jbroswellness, B-R-O-S, B as in boy. Uh, So jbroswellness is my handle on Instagram. And if they'd like to find a copy of the book, I have a hyperlink in my, uh, what is that, bio? I have a a hyperlink in my bio and also you can find it on Amazon, the personal wellness principles, simple steps to create a happy, healthy, and fulfilling life. I love it guys. Make sure. Yes. Go get a copy of John's book. Give him a follow on Instagram, support his mission. I'm so grateful for you and the work that you're doing. It's needed. And I'm grateful that we had an opportunity to get to know each other and to connect. And um, if you guys love this episode please share it tag someone you know would love uh to hear it and okay last question and um you can go whatever direction you want take up as much space this is your this is your time what are you celebrating right now um i am currently celebrating a general momentum i suppose is is the easiest way for me to say it um for a couple of years i've been overusing the word patience you know, like, oh, I'm just need to be a little bit more patient, a little bit more patient. And patience is a hugely important principle. It's in my book. Right. But I decided at one point I was going to get rid of that word and I was going to begin using the word persistence. And so instead of using the word patience constantly, what I decided was in the context of that, I was putting myself almost in this kind of victim mode where, oh, I'll be patient. It'll, it'll come back around. That person will get back to me or whatever it might be, you know, Patience is only good for so long because if you're patiently waiting for something, you're not doing more things that could possibly lead to more opportunities. And so for, our, for the last couple of years, I had a lot of stagnance, even though I was putting in a lot of effort into trying to build this vision of mine. And I would say just in the last couple of months, I've just had a lot of really good momentum with um, you know, possible coaching clients, possible opportunities of speaking at schools, getting my book to certain schools. I'm now going to begin reaching out to places like, you know, Publix and FPL and other places like that to try to set up workshops and things of that nature. So really, I'm just grateful recently for this momentum that I feel like I'm finally harnessing. And I'm grateful for the entire process to get to the point where I have a little momentum because it it really reaffirms for somebody like, again, be patient, but be persistent. And if you're persistent and you're consistent, then 
and you've got that right intention, undoubtedly positive things are, are going to come. So I'm right now, I'm very grateful for this little bit of momentum that I'm chugging along with. I love that. That's amazing. I love the persistence with patience. I, that is yes, 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 yes. Thanks. John, thank you so much. I wish you all the best. I can't wait to come back to this in a year and get the update. We'll do a part two and see how things are going. Um, but thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I'm, I'm grateful for the space you allowed me here. And thank you for get, seeing that email and getting back to me and uh, allowing us the opportunity to do this. It was really special. I appreciate you. You got it. All right, guys, until the next episode, live your boldly courageous life. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for living your boldly courageous life with me today. I am beyond grateful for you and this amazing community we are building together. It's truly my mission to get this message out into the world and empower others to step fully into the life they've always dreamed of. I would be so incredibly grateful if you would join me in this mission by sharing this episode with your friends and heading over to iTunes to leave me a five-star review. And until the next episode, remember to live your boldly courageous life.